Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Good boys and girls, two-footed podcast on Wednesday, June the 22nd, brought to you by EPLindex.com and our presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider. A virtual privacy network allows you to go online, change your location and access things you're normally geo-blocked from. UK expats can get access to BBC iPlayer, ITV Hub and all four. Irish expats can get access to RTE Player. And US expats, if you're looking for Hulu, Peacock, HBO, whatever it is, you can get access with a Liberty Shield VPN. And the most important thing, you can keep your data safe. So you can internet away to your heart's desire, knowing that your data is protected. Liberty Shield is the number one rated VPN provider on Trustpilot. And if you go to libertyshield.com, and use the code EPL25, that's EPL25, you get 25% off at checkout. Hardware and software packages available, libertyshield.com. We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft, a giftware and homeware company located in Scotland, but shipping worldwide. Check out homeofhopcroft.co.uk. And finally, do check out the EPL Index and Anfield Index shops, which you'll find on Etsy. Use the codes EPL10 or RED10 to get 10% off at checkout. Right, folks, it is Wednesday. It is day three of our potential targets for each and every Premier League club, last seasons and the season coming. We have done eight thus far. Today, we have Leeds, we have Leicester City, we have Liverpool, and we have Manchester City. Now, Manchester City is going to be fairly easy because it looks like they know what they want. But we'll start with Leeds. So I had them down as needing seven players going into this window. A starting right back, starting centre back, a starting central midfielder, a starting attacking midfielder, a backup left back, a backup striker, and a veteran third goalkeeper to act as a mentor to the two young keepers they have there, Melier and Klaassen, both of them under 21 years of age. Very, very talented, but they need someone in the room with them that can be a bit of a, a guiding hand. So I'm going to start there. This is not a position you want to go and spend a bunch of money on, because ideally you're looking for someone like, Manchester City have Scott Carson, 
you're looking for someone like Scott Carson to come in here. Towards the end of their career, maybe someone looking for one last decent payday. I think Leeds could do a lot worse, a lot worse than look at someone like Salvatore Sirigu, who has been a very good goalkeeper in his career, but is 35, is out of contract. And if you were to offer him 40, even 60 grand a week to come in, you can offer him the cups, whatever it is you want to do. I think if you get him with your two young keepers for two years, he could have a massive impact on them, showing them the right habits, teaching them on a daily basis, working with your coaching staff to improve those young goalkeepers. And considering how young those keepers are, you'd imagine they're on low wages. So you're not going to blow your wage budget just by spending a little bit more than you might normally on your third keeper. So I think Sirigu is someone that could make a lot of sense for them. Backup striker is always a different spot, a difficult spot to fill. Because generally speaking, any striker who's good enough to play regularly in the Premier League as a backup striker is going to need to do at Leeds behind Bamford, who's had a number of injuries, probably isn't going to want to be a backup striker at Leeds. They might accept that role at Liverpool or United or City or Chelsea or Arsenal or even Spurs, but less they'd be less keen to do so at Leeds. But you could sell them on the idea of coming in and competing for the starting position with Patrick Bamford. And that's a possibility that they could look at this summer, is getting someone who might come in as the quote-unquote backup, but over the course of the season could potentially establish themselves as that starting number nine. Now, for Leeds, it's worth considering the type of player that Bamford is. So, obviously, we know he can score some goals, but he's a very good all-round player. He's somebody that has a high level of intelligence. He's very good first touch, very good control of the ball, very good control of his body, can hold off defenders, can link with other players, works hard in the channels. And if you need him to, can play a little bit withdrawn and can play as part of a two. Alessand Plea of Borussia Mönchengladbach stylistically could be a good fit. Now, he's older than the normal age profile of a Leeds United signing. At 29, he's probably three, four years older than what they normally look at, but he is a highly talented player. He's got one year left in his contract with Borussia Mönchengladbach. This past season, in the Bundesliga, he had 10 goals and eight assists in just over 2,000 minutes. It's a really good return. And having that balance of goals and creativity could be exactly what Leeds are looking for. He can also play as a number 10. He can play wide. 
he's a very, very versatile, very, very talented player. He's also quite a consistent player. Last season, 2021, 12 goals and five assists in 2,500 minutes across all competitions. Now, his league form wasn't great, but across all competitions, he did make up for it. 10 goals and 10 assists in the Bundesliga the season before that in 2,100 minutes. So you're seeing a player that offers goals and assists, a selfless type of player. Now, his wage demands might be high-ish, but coming from Gladbach, he won't have been on huge money. So I don't think that's something that would put Leeds off. With a year left on his deal and Gladbach quite openly in need of some cash, he could be a clever player to bring in. If you're playing a 4-2-3-1, he can play all four of the attacking four positions. That's the type of signing I think Leeds could do with making. I also think they could do with finding a bit more experience for the squad and real experience at the highest level, top-level experience, which he has from playing at Nice and at Gladbach. And he's been consistent for the last seven Eight years, he has been a consistently good player. I really like him. He's a player I actually wanted Liverpool to look at a few years ago as a backup to Firmino. But if you look at him for seven years, uh, 14 in 32, 21 in 49, 15 in 35, 10 in 33, 12 in 39, 10 in 36. He's double figures goals every, every season. One cap for France. He's a little bit below the national team kind of caliber, but he is a very good player. Well-schooled, came through the Lyon Academy. And like I said, did very, very well at Nice. So he's definitely somebody I think Leeds should look at. In terms of a backup left back, they did spend... Obviously, big money on Junior Firpo, and it hasn't worked brilliantly so far, I think it's fair to say. He had some injuries, and when he wasn't there, Leeds had a bit of a rotating cast filling in, and none of them did a particularly good job. So what they could look to do here is bring in somebody who could challenge for that starting position, or they could look at somebody who's just a backup. Now, I think you look at somebody who maybe in the short term is the backup, but long term can become that starter, has that quality to become the starter. And Ridvan Yilmaz at Besiktas is a very, very talented left back, only 21 years of age. So fits the Leeds profile. He has been linked to Leeds. Don't know how much weight there is behind that link, but he is somebody whose attacking game would fit well with what Jesse Marsh wants. He can play in midfield as well if need be. Gives you versatility. Out of contract in a year. So again, not going to cost an enormous amount of money. But definitely somebody that Leeds should be considering this summer. And then a starting central midfielder. No, excuse me, a starting central defender. They've obviously addressed right back with Christensen, central midfield with Rocha attacking midfield with Aronson. They may lose Rafinha and have to replace him, but we're going to cross that bridge when we come to it. They may lose Phillips. 
and have to replace him. But again, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. For now, the starter they need is a starting centre-back to play next to Loriente. Robin Cock, Pascal Struyuk and Liam Cooper can be your depth. and They're fine as depth, but you've got to get a starting calibre centre-back to come in, play next to Loriente and give you at least a consistent presence. That's what Leeds lacked more than anything, is a consistent presence at centre-back. Because all of the others have had injuries. Struik, at this point in his career, is still sort of a utility player who gets dropped in here than everywhere. And he's still very young for a defensive player. Cooper's had injuries. Lorente's had injuries. Cocker's had injuries. They need to go and find a centre-back who can come in and play week in, week out, next to Lorente, and give them a basis. Because since they came up, they have been a train wreck defensively. It's been embarrassing at times watching Leeds try and defend. Now, a lot of that was down to the setup and the way Bielsa would play and how aggressive the team was and how often they'd just be overcommitted in attack. But I think this summer, they do really, really need to address their defence and find someone that can be the main guy in that defence or a leader in that defence. And for me, I'd look at PSG and I'd look, look at Abdou Diallo who's a natural leader who has a bit of versatility to him, can play left back, can play in a three, but best in a two. Was at Dortmund, moved on to, um, moved on to PSG and hasn't established himself as first choice because he's behind President Kimbembe. Now, the only concern with him is he has had some injuries. This past season, he missed 10 games through injury. But some of that is down to... Actually, sorry, I tell a lie. This past season, he didn't miss any games. That was the previous season. He missed 10 games. But some of this comes down to him not playing for weeks on end and then getting stuck playing, playing left back and being asked to bomb forward, which just isn't his game. I think he's a very, very good player. And at 26, he's just entering his peak years. He's a Senegalese international. Don't think the wages would be outlandish. PSG will want decent money. You could be looking at 30 million here. But I think it's worth it because Leeds need to address this position. And if we look at the others that I'm suggesting for them, Sirigu would be free. Plea, I think you could get him for maybe 10 million. And Yilmaz about the same. And if Leeds are going to be serious about staying in the division, I think they have to spend money this summer. They're probably about 40 million in already on Christensen, Roca, and Aronson. But I think Diallo would solve a lot of problems for them as an organizer, as a leader of the team. Because remember, Christensen is going to start at right back. So that's Luke Ailing out of the team. That's the vice captain gone. And Diallo would be coming in to replace Liam Cooper, ostensibly as a starter. 
So that's the captain out of the team. So you're going to need leadership. And I think he can bring that. He was captaining Mines at a very young age. He showed that leadership at Dortmund. It was apparently one of the things that made Thomas Tuchel very annoyed when he was sold. Um, so I, I would say bring him in and he can solve quite a bit of your defensive issues. Moving on then to Leicester City. I have them needing a starting centre-back to partner Fafana and a starting midfielder to partner Ndidi under the assumption that Yuri Thielemans is leaving. Now, the club I had him leaving for, or we all have him leaving for, is Arsenal. But when I did this for Arsenal, I didn't pick Yuri Thielemans for them. There has been some reports that he might choose to stay. He could sign a one-year extension and basically look to go next summer when the market might be a bit more open for him, especially if he has a good World Cup. So if he stays, they don't have that need in midfield. If he goes, they do. The starting centre-back is a must, and they've got to address the long-term future of the goalkeeping position. They've done it up front. They've got Pats and Dackey. You'd imagine he's viewed as the long-term successor to Vardy. They've got to do it in goal as well. The other thing of need, they could do with a wide player, but I think they'll keep Adamola Luckman, so I'm not going to bother even going any, anywhere near that one. Now, as I've said before, if Telemans is going to Arsenal, they should be asking for Saliba in a swap. Even if, even if Leicester has to throw in a few quid, I would ask for Saliba in a swap. The starting centre-back is a must. They've got to get somebody in. Evans is a good defender who's seen his best days. And Sayonchu, unfortunately, has fallen off a cliff. And there doesn't look like there's much chance of him climbing back up that cliff anytime soon. He has gotten progressively worse over the last two years. So they really do need to address this, and they need to address it this summer. They've got good fullback options. Sayonchu, as a backup centre-back, should be all right, and you've got Evans there. But they have to sort out that centre-back spot next to uh, Wesley Fofana. And I think ideally... You'd look at James Justin at 24. You'd look at Fafana at 21. And you'd want to buy somebody who can develop with them, who can fit in with them as part of a long-term defence and be at the club for three, four, five, six years, if not more. Maxence Lacroix of Wolfsburg fits like a glove next to Fafana. Those two together would be commanding, dominant, quick, both of them well ahead of where you'd expect defenders of their age to be in terms of defensive positioning and reading the game. He brings a toughness as well. He brings leadership. He's a good passer of the ball. I think Maxence Lacroix is the perfect player to slide in next to Fafana in that defence. 
he's actually a better fit than Saliba in many ways. Saliba's a better ball player, but defensively, Lacroix is, is just more consistent across the board. Wolfsburg finished 12th. They had a disastrous season across the board. They do have a new manager in. Nico Kovac has been appointed as the new Wolfsburg manager. But he may well be looking at this and thinking, well, I want to make my own stamp on this team. I've got to raise some money. And I think one of their most sellable assets is Lacroix. The other one would be Ridley Baku. Um, but yeah, Maxence Lacroix is the one I think best fills that need. If Thielemans goes, central midfield is always a difficult place to recruit for when you're working to a tight budget because clubs overvalue their own players and oftentimes what we get is someone's had a really good year quite early and teams pay the price for them at that point and then it turns out that year was just an outlier and they return to being a lesser version of that. And you don't really get your value. For example, Jude Bellingham, right? Right now, if Dortmund sell Bellingham, it's going to cost probably 100 million to buy it. The same thing goes for Declan Rice. It's going to cost 100 to 120 million. Neither of them are worth anywhere close to those prices right now. Bellingham is a 40, about a 40 to 50 million pound player. And Rice is about a £50 million player. And wage-wise, comparable midfielders to Bellingham and what he is right now are probably earning sixty grand. Comparable midfielders to Rice probably earning about eighty grand. But because they'd be going for those much higher fees, the wages will be much higher. In Bellingham's case, it could be 150 grand. In Rice's, it could be 200 grand. And you're hoping that they reach what they're projected to become. You're buying potential. You're buying the unknown. You're not buying them for what they are now. You're buying them for what you hope they will be. And Leicester, that's kind of their business model, is to try and look for potential bargains and potential stars, but without paying the premium for them. So take Wesley Fofana as an example. Leicester paid around 35 million for him. A lot of people said that they were premature in that because he hadn't really showed consistently what he was going to be. But they trusted in their scouting and their data that they could project out what he would become. And after about six weeks, everybody had just fallen in love with Fofana and was talking about him as a 60, 70 million pound defender in a couple of years. So Leicester will make significant profit. Now, Leicester tried to do the same last year with Bubakar Kamara, who I do very much like, and I think will be a good player for them. But he's not really a partner for Ndidi. He's more the one that plays instead of Ndidi, that destroying holding midfielder. So Leicester need to find someone more along the lines of Yuri Thielemans, that prompting playmaker type. Now, it may well be that if Thielemans were to go, Dewsbury Hall would take on more of that controller position 
and Leicester might be looking for someone who's a bit more box-to-box, a bit more dynamic. But we'll just go with somebody who can maybe step into the breach and fill the gap left by Yuri Thielemans. So for me, I would look at AC Milan and I would look at Ishmael Benasser, who is, I think, the best midfielder at Milan, but lost his place last year to Tonali for one reason or another. Injuries, a little bit of bad form. But Benister is a really, really talented player. And he's the type of player who can elevate this Leicester team. There's very few midfielders in Europe who can offer what he offers as an all-round player. Arsenal made a massive mistake a few years ago when they let him leave. He is one that I think can go on and become one of the better midfielders in Europe with the right move. Now, I don't know that Brendan Rodgers is the right manager for him, but I don't know that Brendan's the long-term manager there either. But Benesser fits with their age makeup. He is 24, turns 25 in December. So you get two and a half, three good, two or three good seasons out of him. And you can sell him at a profit. And there's real potential for this guy to go up a couple of levels. He won't get you a ton of goals. That's not his game. But he will help you control games at a level at which you've not done previously. You put him, Dewsbury Hall, either side of Ndidi, and I think you've got a really well-balanced midfield. Because not only is he very good on the ball, he's very good off the ball. Really clever, really strong, tough, feisty, aggressive, never backs down to anybody. I think he'd be a perfect fit if Leicester want to replace Yuri Tielemans. And a young starting goalkeeper, a future starting goalkeeper. So do you look at somebody who's sort of 22, 23 now and is definitely going to be ready to start in a year? That's a possibility. If you want to do that, I'd probably look at Alban Alban Lafont at Nantes, who had a really good season last year, has gotten himself back on track, came through with Toulouse, was hugely rated, had a bad move, went to Fiorentina, it didn't go well, they got Dragowski at the same time, now they're going to end up with neither, which is bizarre, but didn't really work from at Fiorentina, got loaned to Nantes, rough first year, but has gotten better and better, and last season was very, very good. He was very, very good for Nantes last season. They finished ninth. They won the French Cup. And I thought he was a standout player for them. Um, The year before, they stayed up by the skin of their teeth, which will tell you how much of an improvement there was. I would say Alvin Lafont might be the guy to go for here. Nantes paid 7 million for him. 7 million euro. It's about 6 million pounds. I don't know that they could turn down 15 million for And he could be your goalkeeper for a decade. He's got that level of talent that he could be a keeper you're selling in two years for 50 million. He is exceptionally talented. 
when he and Donnarumma were both sort of emerging, there was a lot of talk that he was the more talented goalkeeper. Like I say, it didn't work from at Fiorentina, but there's no reason it can't work from at Leicester, especially if you're putting him behind two French centre-backs who he automatically will have the language with. He's also played with both of them for the national underage teams. So he'd be one option. Or you could look at someone a little bit younger, um, someone like Etienne Green, who is at Seth Etienne. He had a very good season last year in a really bad Sendetian team, and he was kind of splitting his minutes with another keeper. He's English-born, uh, but he's been a Sendetian since he was nine years of age. His parents moved over to France when he was four. Um, he's recently been capped by the England under-21s. He's a couple of years younger than Lafont. He's actually one year younger. He's at... He's about 18 months younger than Lafont. Um, he might be a little bit further away from being first team ready for a team that has ambitions of European football, but certainly someone worth considering and would probably be significantly cheaper than Lafont as well. You could maybe get him for six to eight million plus some add-ons down the line. And the third one I'd look at uh, is Andrei Lunin of Real Madrid. Ukrainian goalkeeper, super talented, but I mean, at Real, he's stuck behind Thibaut Courtois, who's not going anywhere anytime soon. Thibaut Courtois is only 30. He's one of the two or three best keepers in the world, probably right at this minute, probably the best goalkeeper on the planet. Uh, so Lunin could be an option. I probably would edge towards Etienne Green. Price fact that he is an English goalkeeper now he won't classify as homegrown because he's been in France all this time but you know he speaks fluent English which means he can communicate with half the team he speaks fluent French so he can communicate with the French speaking players which include Will Fendidi which would include in this situation Lacroix and Benesser and Fafana and Patson Daka speaks, speaks French and Ian Acho speaks French he also speaks English but so he could communicate with pretty much the entire squad straight away. I, I would go Etienne Green. And he knows Fafana really well. He's been at St. Etienne for, like I say, since he was nine. He's now 21. Uh, Wesley Fafana, so 12 years. Wesley Fafana was at St. Etienne for five of those years. So they know each other. They've played together. He'd be he'd be the one I'd, I'd lean towards. Um, right, Liverpool. I had them needing four pieces. A starting centre midfielder was the biggest need, without question. Uh, they needed a starting striker to replace Sadio Mane. They signed Darwin Nunes. They needed a backup right back behind Trent. They signed Calvin Ramsey. And with Minamino and Origi going, they needed depth in attack, and Fabio Carvalho provides that depth in attack. Liverpool's squad is really strong. They've got a good goalkeeping group. They've got a really, really strong defence across the board. Who's got a better centre-back group than Kanate, Van Dijk, Matip and Gomez? I don't believe there's a better centre-back group in world football 
Robertson and Simicus at left back, really, really strong. Up front, Salah, Nunes, Diaz, Jota, Firmino, Carvalho. They're set. Left-sided midfield, the controlling role, Thiago, Naby Keita, set. Holding midfield, Fabinho, brilliant. Question mark behind him, but Jordan Henderson can do a job in that role against certain teams. Right-sided midfield is where there's a problem. So Harvey Elliott can play there, but he's a kid. He's not really a midfielder, and he's not really ready to be starting for a team that wants to win the Premier League. Curtis Jones can play there, but he's yet to show he's good enough to start for Liverpool on a regular basis. There's some talk that Carvalho could play there, maybe, but not now. He's certainly not ready for it. Naby Keita can play there, but they need him on the other side in rotation with Thiago because both of them have injury issues and the easiest way to keep them fit is to rotate them. The nominal starter has been Jordan Henderson, who's now had back-to-back seasons of being terrible and was particularly awful in that right-sided eight role this past season. So he's the one that needs to be replaced and his role needs to become Fabinho's backup. So if you look at how that role is played, it has evolved into basically being a number 10 slash right-sided midfielder, slash right winger even, high and wide on the right or just off the striker. And Henderson doesn't have the technical ability to play that role, doesn't have the intelligence to play that role. Keita has, but again, he's needed elsewhere. Elliot has, but again, he's not quite of the level right now. He may become that player in two years' time, but he's not there now. Same with Jones, same with Carvalho. So who's the best option? Now, for me, Liverpool should have plenty of money to spend, but I do have a feeling that they may have overspent up front on Darwin Nunes to get that deal done. So that maybe has affected their budget. So they're probably looking for somebody a little bit cheaper, a little bit cheaper than Chuameni, who they thought they'd signed. Um, and a little bit more attacking as well, because it's that's what they need, is more of an attack-minded midfielder. So one of Liverpool's problems last season was breaking down deep blocks. We saw that in the Champions League final. They weren't able to create real clear-cut opportunities. Same thing in the two cup finals. Same thing against Everton and in a bunch of league games. They struggled to create really clear-cut opportunities. And I think one of the best creative players in Europe that nobody seems to talk about is Lovro Meyer of Ren. Croatian midfielder, left-footed, incredible passer of the ball. Vision, touch, awareness, weight of ball, sensation. Only 24, just completed his first season at Ren after coming from uh, Dinamo Zagreb. An absolutely phenomenal playmaker. Wonderful dribbler. Just Google Lovro Meyer FB ref. Take you to his football reference page. And just look at his creative numbers. Look at where he ranks as a creator. It will blow your mind entirely what this lad is able to do. This is based off the last 
365 days. So non-penalty goals per 90, he is in the 99th percentile. Non-penalty XG, the 98th percentile. Total shots, the 98th percentile. Assists, the 99th percentile. Expected assists, the 98th percentile. Non-penalty XG and XA, 99th percentile. Shot-creating actions, 99th percentile. Progressive carries, 98th percentile. Touches in the attacking penalty area, 97th percentile. Progressive passes received, which is what you want when you've got Thiago Alcantara on your team, 97th percentile. Dribbles completed, he's in the 82nd percentile. Pressures, which is important in a Liverpool team, you needed to press, 87th percentile. He makes 2.5 tackles per game, which is a good sign for an attacking player. Ignored the pass completion and progressive passes. He tends to dribble his way into attacking positions. So he's not in a position to make what are classed as progressive passes, but he does have the high shot creating actions in those areas. He also takes gambles with the ball in terms of he tries risky passes. He tries to unlock defences. So that will explain to you why his pass completion is only at 77%. That's not something I'd worry about. Similar players to him, statistically, Adrian Thomason of Strasbourg, forget that one. Number two, Kevin De Bruyne. Number five, Jude Bellingham. Number six, Bernardo Silva. Number seven, Nicolo Barella. Number nine, Ilke Gundogan. Now, I'm not saying he'll become as good as any of those, but he could. At 24, he's still got years and years ahead of him, and he is sensational, and he wouldn't cost a fortune. And with Wren, they might be willing to take a low upfront payment you know, if you could agree a deal of 40 million, they might take eight this summer and the rest in installments. Lovro would open up a whole new world of possibilities for this Liverpool team. And if you've got him and Harvey Elliott as the right side at eights, when he's out and Harvey's in, the team doesn't have to change. The structure of the team doesn't have to change. And he can play a multitude of positions. This past season, he predominantly played as a right-sided eight. He can also play as a left-sided eight. And in that Ren team, he was often asked to play a little bit deeper and be a bit of a controller. He can play as a number 10. He can play wide on either wing. He is phenomenal. And nobody's talking about him because he plays for Ren as he had one season there. Because he stayed in Croatia until he was 23. Normally, the big Croatian talents are out of there at 19.20. He stayed for longer, and he is a joy to watch. An absolute joy to watch. He would be the one for me over anyone else. And there's there's a lot of players I do really like for that role. Dominic Sazbalaya, Milinkovic-Savic, 
But if we factor everything in, cost, wages, suitability, ready to play right now, flexibility that he offers, can play right of a three, can play as the 10 in a 4-2-3-1, can play right wing in a 4-2-3-1, can play right wing in a 4-4-2. He is the one that is most ready to come in and offer Liverpool everything they're missing. Last season, 11 goals, 13 assists in 3,159 minutes. In his first season with the club, adapting to a new league. The season before that, at Zagreb, 11 goals, 14 assists in 3,500 minutes. The season before that, sorry, that's not that one. This is this one. The season before that, um, he was injury played. Two goals, five assists, only 1,400 minutes. He had a couple of, I think he had a hernia issue that season. But the last couple of years, he has been really consistent and really, really good. If you haven't seen him, just just you go to YouTube and watch Lovro Meyer. L-O-V-O-M-A-J-E-R. Lovro Meyer, sensation. He will be the one for Liverpool. And he completes what they need. They get him, they don't need anything else. Get him, do the Salah contract. You're good. You're good. All you need to do next summer then is sign a bit of depth in midfield when Chamberlain and Milner go. Get that backup, that long-term backup to Fabinho. Next up then is Manchester City. So they signed Haaland to be their starting striker. They signed Alvarez to be a backup attacker, a bit of depth. Obviously, it looks like Gabriel Jesus will leave. A really good discussion on Gabriel Jesus on Sky Sports the other day. Uh, Tim Vickery, the preeminent English voice on South American football was talking about him. And he was saying, you know, what are you actually buying here? Because I've said this, I think he's much more suited to playing in a two than being a line leading number nine. And he recently scored his first goal for Brazil in 20 appearances. He played as the number nine in the 2018 World Cup and didn't score. And lost a lot of confidence after that. And apparently the Brazilian manager went to him and said, well, what do you, where do you want to play? What do you want to be? And he said he preferred to play wide. Now, his entire career to that point, he'd been a nine, but he'd been a nine often in a two. So he prefers to play wide, but yet Arsenal are definitely signing him to be their number nine. So that's just a bit bizarre. Now, the Arsenal fans, who, by the way, the Chelsea fans are probably the most entitled fans on social media, but Arsenal fans cry like nobody else. Like, they just think the whole world is against them. The crying in the replies of this video of somebody who knows far better than any of them about how Teta thinks he's the number nine. First of all, if you call Mikel Arteta Teta, if you call Arsenal Asna, if you call Chelsea Chels or Eden Hazard Azar, my immediate assumption is you are an absolute bellend. So 
just to be aware of that. Mikkel Arteta is a PE teacher. He hasn't had an independent thought of his own in years. I saw um, one of the Arsenal contributors to The Athletic was being asked about uh, the possibility of Arsenal signing Rafinha and Jesus. And he said, oh, well, the plan is like Man City to have a bunch of forwards who are all interchangeable. Well, is Arteta not capable of a single individual thought? He just does what Pep does, just not as well. Anyway, Julian Alvarez replaces Gabriel Jesus. Ha- uh, Haaland comes in as the nine. They may lose Sterling as well, but it is what it is. Uh, they need a backup defensive midfielder because obviously they're saying goodbye to Fernandinho. Now, I had them as needing a backup right back because I think Canseo is just better on the left and when he plays right, he struggles a little bit. And they've got Zinchenko who can also play left back. Now, he could leave as well this summer. We'll wait and see. It doesn't look like it's likely that he'll leave, but he might leave. So I thought they'd be better off going and signing a backup right back of the, the same type of profile as Kyle Walker, a more defensive-minded player, kind of, you know, that athletic type, solid defensively, and recovery pace being uh, a key part of the Kyle Walker makeup. But it does look like Mark Cucurella is the, the left-back they're most likely to target, or the one they've been strongly linked with. Um, rather than just go chalk here, I thought I'd have a look at somebody else. Obviously, the midfielder they've been most strongly linked with is Calvin Phillips. Uh, I would rather Phillips stay at Leeds. And I think a midfielder that would suit them more in terms of replicating what Fernandinho used to bring them is Mateus Nunez of Sporting, who Pep has spoken glowingly about in the past. So I think I'd go him rather than Phillips. I also think he'd be a little bit cheaper than Phillips and the wages would definitely be cheaper than what uh, Calvin Phillips will want because if you're going to be buying Phillips as a a regular starter for England, he's going to want wages that replicate what is standing in the game is or that reflect what is standing in the game is. So... I would go Matthias Nunes. I think he's just a better fit for them. Um, if they are going to sign Cucurella, so be it. But again, that means a bit boring just to say, oh, they're looking at him, so that's who they should sign. So I thought I'd have a look at, you know, who else could they go for? What else is out there that might suit them? Maybe a little bit more in terms of a straight-up replacement or or... Um, not replacement, but depth piece behind Kyle Walker. Now, I do like Ben Johnson of West Ham, but I don't think he's quite of the required level just yet that, you know, to come in and play for City, That's a it's a big jump from West Ham with respect to West Ham. But there's a kid at Feyenoord who really impressed me 
this past season. I thought in their European run, he was one of their standout players. He's a Dutch underage international. He's already got, you know, a couple of full seasons under his belt in the national team. He's got versatility. He can play centre-back. He can play holding midfield. But he is naturally a right-back. Gertrude, uh, Lutz Charel Gertrude, Gertrude is the one I would look at if I was City. Because I think if you bring him in, he's not going to kick up a fuss if he's not playing. I think he's one that you can develop to a high level. And potentially, you get yourself a bargain. Now, City don't often deal in bargains. But I think this is one that could prove to be a bargain for you. And... You can probably bring that feet down a little bit because you've got a whole bunch of young players that haven't made the grade at your club that Fiorentina would most likely like. So I would look at Gertruda of Feyenoord to be the replacement for Kyle Walker. Just stylistically, build-wise, I think there's something about him that makes me think he could be the type that develops into a Walker type of fullback. It doesn't have that lightning pace of Walker, but very few players do. But I think those two are more interesting than just Calvin Phillips and Mark Cucurella for $100 million. You can get the two of these for 60 save some money, much lower wages, much lower wages. And like I say, you could probably bring both deals down because I'm sure sporting would have interest in some of your players as well. Yanhel Herrera, perhaps, is someone you could look to send him out to get Nunes back. Him and 30 million maybe gets you Nunes, you know, things like that. Um, so that's today's four Leeds, Sirigu, Plea, Yilmaz, and Diallo, Leicester, Lacroix, Benesser, and Green, Liverpool, Lavro Meyer, and Manchester City, Matthias Nunes, and Lutzerel Gertruda. Uh, we'll take a break. When we come back, it's news and gossip. I'll see you in a sec. Right. Welcome back. So... Uh, big changes at Chelsea. Bruce Buck is out. Marina is out. Todd Bowley is the new chairman of the board. And Jonathan Goldstein has also been named to the board. Uh, Todd Bowley has also appointed himself as the interim sporting director, <laughs> which is fun. They will search for a new sporting director or a sporting director. They haven't really had one since Imanolo left. There's been some rumours that Michael Edwards, who's leaving Liverpool, could go there. That won't happen. Edwards has a non-compete clause for the Premier League, so he's not going there. Um, and I don't think he would go there anyway. But it's very clear that they're going to try and copy the Liverpool model, uh, which makes sense. Makes sense. Why wouldn't you copy the model of one of the best-run teams in Europe? Um. 
Arsenal have had a bid turned down for Rafinha. So David Ornstein reported yesterday that they were making a bid that was expected to be declined, which to me tells me it's not a serious bid. If you're bidding well below what you know is the asking price, it's not a serious bid. And he's also linked, obviously, to Barcelona, to Chelsea, to Spurs. So we'll wait and see. My feeling on Rafinha is they're trying to get City to budge on the asking price of Gabriel Jesus. So I don't think they want both of them. I think they want one. I think they want Jesus. So I think they're trying to say, well, look, if you're not going to take our money, we'll spend it somewhere else. And looking at Rafinha, it's the only reason you'd bid so low. If you know what the price is, and you, you fair enough, you're not going to pay the asking price, but you're not going to come in way below what was known to be the asking price. Raheem Sterling is facing a big decision. He could renew his contract at City. There is an offer apparently on the table. And he could leave. Or he could hold out a year, play out his contract and leave for free, which may well be the best course of action for him. Now, he could go to Chelsea, but rumours are he would prefer a move abroad and he would be more appealing to clubs abroad as a free agent in 12 months. Raheem Sterling is one of the best players in the Premier League. And there's no doubt that wherever he goes, he will improve the team he joins. The City allegedly want 45 to 50 million for him. And Chelsea apparently have offered around 30 million as an initial gambit. So there's quite a way to go there. There's a lot of competition at City for those wide forward roles. But for me, Sterling is still the best they have. He's better than Riyad Mahrez. He's better than Phil Foden. He's a lot better than Jack Grealish. But Pep obviously spent $100 million on Jack Grealish and is going to have to justify that at some point. Foden is a star in the making. So it seems like those two may have to, or somebody else has to go. Mares will probably go next summer. I think his contract's up then. And they would rather not lose both of them for free. So they're probably going to look to sell Sterling now because he's got more value. He's an easier sell. I'm not sure there'd be a big market for Riyad Mahrez at his age on, on the wages he's on. Whereas with Raheem, 27 years of age, he's bang in the middle of his prime. Um, I don't know what I'd advise him to do. I think I'd probably advise him to stay put and, and go on a free next summer. All things being equal, that way he kind of controls his own destiny a bit more. If he goes to Chelsea or wherever, he's tying himself in for the rest of his prime and this would be the last big contract of his career, whereas next summer he'd have more, more of an option. Go to Juve, Real Madrid, Barca might have a better situation then. Premier League clubs could be options for him. City won't sell to certain teams. They won't sell to Liverpool. They won't sell to United. And are the London clubs going to be competing for the title in the next couple of years? Maybe not. So if it's about winning, he might prefer to wait and then pick his, pick his club next summer. 
Sadio Mane has completed his move from Liverpool to Bayern Munich. Talked about that on the Daily Red today, so you can listen to that. Uh, also talked about Takumi Minamino. He is heading for Monaco in a deal that could be worth 15.5 million. Romelu Lukaku is leaving Chelsea. He is going to Inter Milan one year after joining Chelsea for 97.5 million pounds. He is going back to Inter on loan with a loan fee of 6.9 million pounds. Uh, undeniably one of the great flops of the Premier League era. Not quite Pogba level, not quite Grealish level, but Grealish at least will get a second season to prove himself. Lukaku will not. The BBC have an article up entitled What Went Wrong. It's very clear. Him and Tuchel just didn't click. And Tuchel couldn't commit to playing a 4-2-3-1 or a 4-3-3, which would have suited him because he had to play a back three because of the centre-backs he had. And to play that back three, he had to play Mason Mount in the front three. And oftentimes, Kai Havertz was the other one, or Zayic. So there's no real pace around Lukaku, which is what he needs. He was always at his best. Even at United, he was at his best when he had Rashford. At Inter, he was at his best when he had Laturo. Chelsea, his best performances came with Timo Werner. I said they would, and they did. But it was pretty clear he never wanted to join. He always wanted to stay at Inter. Inter were forced to sell him because of their financial situation, which seems to have improved a bit now. He's taking a significant pay cut as well to go back to Inter. So it says quite a bit. Um, because of the new rules, they couldn't do a two-year loan. There's no option to buy, no obligation to buy. So my bet here is that he does this year on loan at Inter, he does next year on loan at Inter, and at the end of that second year, there's an option to buy for around 30 million, and that's what happens. Um, the BBC have also got a piece here. Which of Europe's biggest names are still available on free transfers? So Gareth Bale is one. Obviously, his contract at Real Madrid is up. Uh, linked to DC United, Cardiff City, Newcastle, Nottingham Forest, AC Milan, and Tottenham. Uh, I would say it's fairly clear that Milan and Tottenham have no interest. I don't imagine Forrest have a whole lot of interest. I don't really see Steve Cooper wanting to put up with the circus that will surround Gareth Bale. Newcastle won't do that. It's going to be Cardiff or MLS, in my view. I'd love to see him go to Cardiff. I really would. I think it'd be just a clever move for him, even for a year. Go back, be you know a hero in Wales, go to the World Cup, do your thing. And then see what you want to do next summer. Go to Cardiff for a year. Uh, Paul Pogba linked to Juve, Real Madrid, Paris Saint-Germain and Man City. No one cares. Just sign for whoever. Um, keep doing your documentaries and whatever else you want to do. But no one cares at this point. He's going to Juve and, and that should just be it. Christian Eriksen linked to Brentford, Tottenham and Manchester United. Reports yesterday that he's turned down United. I'd love him to stay at Brentford, but I could understand if he went back to Tottenham. Uh, Jesse Lingard, not sure he's one of Europe's biggest names, but he's linked to West Ham, Newcastle, Roma, AC Milan and Tottenham. Roma could make sense because he does have history with Mourinho. 
Uh, he doesn't fit at all at Tottenham. Don't really see why Newcastle would sign him. West Ham have had him before and he did well there, so that's a possibility. But again, like Paul, I really don't care where Jesse Lingard goes. He's wasted his career. He's wasted his career by staying at United this long. And the decision to stay in last summer and in January was just mind-blowing. And he'll be 30 in December, and he's not really done anything in the game. He's asking for huge money, which, considering he's an, an average player, is just a bit farcical. Stick to TikTok or whatever it is you do some. Uh, Usman Dembele, maybe the most talented player on the market now, um, linked to Chelsea and PSG. Injuries, immaturity, inconsistency, ruined his time at Barcelona. Uh, five years, and he had like four good months. So Barca are probably well rid of him. Um, whoever signs him, it's a gamble, even on a Bosman, because the wages will be huge. The signing bonus will be huge. And you don't know what you're going to get with him from one week to another. Edinson Cavani, linked to Real Madrid, Arsenal, Atletico Madrid, and Juventus. I'd love to see him go to a smaller club, similar to what Falcao has just done. Go to one of the smaller clubs and just be an idol for a couple of years. Uh, Fernandinho, Botafogo, Flamengo, Corinthians, Atletico Paranense. Um, yeah, he's going back to Brazil and, and best of luck to him. Luis Suarez, Juventus, Aston Villa, Sevilla and Inter Miami. I, I think it might be time for him to go to Inter Miami. Um, his legs do look like they're gone, but he still scored 13 goals last season. Aston Villa are probably the strongest link. I, I just don't know. Maybe he can give you a good year. Maybe. Uh, Isco, an enormous waste of talent, linked to Sevilla, Arsenal, and Tottenham. No Premier League club should be touching this fella. Um, just a, a hard no on Isco. <clears throat> and finally, Angel Di Maria, linked to Juventus and Barcelona. Juventus makes the most sense because Juventus love a good free transfer. And we'll wrap up then with the gossip Poland striker Robert Lewandowski wants to leave Bayern Munich. That's not news, but the German club have travelled to meet with him face-to-face to try and convince him to stay. He does have a year left in his contract. They've already said they expect him back for pre-season. They're not going to drop their asking price, so he could be another one that hits the free agent market next summer. Real Madrid have stepped up their interest in Raheem Sterling in recent weeks. Look, if he's going for 40 or 50 million, Real would definitely probably take him this summer. A Sterling Benzema Vinicius front three is pretty special. It really is. Chelsea have moved towards a deal for Sterling after getting tired in their pursuit for Usman Dembele. I, I can understand that as well. Arsenal have made an opening bid that is so far below. Leads 50 million pound valuation. Now, I can't verify this, but I saw someone suggest yesterday it was about 20 million. So who knows? Who knows? Arsenal will continue to, to have discussions to sign Gabriel Jesus. Real Madrid, Bayern Munich, and PSG are set to rival Newcastle for the signing of Hugo Ekatiki. It does look like he wants to go elsewhere, and we'll see what happens. But if I was Newcastle, I'd probably be a bit fed up. 
Barcelona want to sign Jules Conde, but do not want to pay the £51 million asking price. Uh, not that they don't want to, they just can't afford to at the moment. But maybe in the coming weeks that changes if these deals they've put in place go through and they can clear some money off the wage bill. Brentford have not given, hope, given up hope of signing Christian Eriksen. Manchester United will have to choose between Lisandro Martinez and Anthony. I'm not sure why they have to choose between a centre-back and a right-winger, but I think Martinez probably ends up at Arsenal. Arsenal and Newcastle are keen on Fabian Ruiz. Excellent player. Would be a really good signing for either club. Chelsea are interested in Jonathan Kloss. Very good right-back. Be a quality backup for them. Um, Tottenham are set to hold. I saw this yesterday. Uh, I can't think of the guy's name. Lyle something or something Lyle. Uh, exclusive Chelsea or Tottenham set to hold further talks. That's not exclusive. That's not news that they're going to hold further talks about Jed Spence. Not news at all. Um, Borussia Dortmund, who sold Erling Haaland to Man City, are set to sign Sebastian Haller from Ajax. Big clear out at Ajax this summer. Uh, he's going. Raven Birch is gone. Masrawi is gone. Martinez probably goes. Jurian Timber could go. Anthony could go. Big, big changes at Ajax this summer. Axel Witzel will join Atletico Madrid on a free transfer this summer. He's a very Simeone-type player. Uh, Wolves are to hold talks about signing Gabby Goal from Flamengo and Argentine midfielder Enzo Fernandez from River Plate. Enzo Fernandez is really good. Gabby Goal, Gabriel Barbosa, is very talented. He's a quality finisher. I just don't know if he'd work in the Premier League. Rangers could sell Alfredo Morelas if they cannot agree a contract, which an extension to his contract, which runs out in 2023. Um, Manchester United expect Anthony Martial to be at the club next season because of the lack of interest in the 26-year-old. I actually think he would work well for Ten Hag. He's a good player. He is a good player. It's as simple as that. Manchester United are ready to accept 20 million. If that's the price, then somebody will snap him up. Um, United are considering signing Daniel Backman as a backup to David De Gea with Dean Henderson expected to leave the club to join Nottingham first. Daniel Backman is awful. Tom Heaton's better than him. He's awful. Right, we'll leave it there on that low point for Manchester United today. And uh, we'll see you tomorrow where we do Manchester United, Newcastle, Norwich and Southampton. Take care. Bye-bye. Podcast Network.